welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everybody, I want to take a quick minute to tell you something that I'm really excited about. I've recently teamed up with Hitched Inc., one of the biggest and fastest growing tech startups in oil and gas. You've probably seen them all over LinkedIn. From generators to light towers, pumps to forklifts, use Hitch to pair your company with reliable rental suppliers and eliminate the hassle of logistics through the use of an in-app platform. Hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to schedule a demo. Hey, and welcome back to another episode. We are here in the virtual world with Tim Taylor, CEO of Midnight Marketing, and not to be mistaken for Tim the Toolman Taylor. <laughs> Have you heard of that? I've heard of that a couple of times, man. <laughs> Once or twice. I, I bet. I bet. I've been waiting for that to get you on the podcast so I could joke about that. And it's like the worst dad joke in the world, but it's a badass name, man. So I give it up to you. Did you used to watch Tim the Toolman Taylor? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny about that? So I grew up in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Yeah. Where obviously, it's, it's mostly French speaking. And we have this coffee shop called Tim Hortons. And yes. so all the English would be like, oh, Tim Taylor, like, you know, the Toolman. But all the French would be like, Oh, Tim, come Tim Hortons. And they took it out of it. And it was so lame. And they'd always like laugh at it. They'd be on the ground like they'd never heard of Tim before. And that was my, my childhood up to like 17, 18 years old. Yeah. That's hilarious, man. Well, Tim, man, you know, I got to give it up to Tim Hortons. They've done such a good job in Canada with like what they've done and the business they've grown. I mean, I started drinking Tim Hortons when I was working drilling rigs. And it was, I was never a coffee drinker in high school. As you know, it's just most people aren't. Well, you know, working midnights on the rigs, all of a sudden the crew truck with all the boys are stopping at Tim Hortons every time before. And finally I'm like, I'll try this coffee thing, like whatever. And, and then I've been hooked on coffee ever since. And that's when I was 18. But when I go back to Canada, anytime I land, I go right, you know, in the airport, I go to Tim Hortons, I get a large double double. And it's like the worst, it's got so much cream and sugar in there, but it's like something about a large double double. I don't know what it is, but I miss it so much. I know. Yeah. Something special. Yeah. There's definitely something special about Tim Hortons. Yeah. At some point I converted to Starbucks. I like the Americanos. So. Oh yeah. No, Starbucks is top notch. I mean, there's a reason they're on every freaking street corner, but yeah, like when I'm in Canada, like normally if I'm downtown Calgary, I'll go to Cafe Artigiano. Anyone from Canada or from Calgary that's listening, you know, that's like the hot coffee shop for oil field salesmen and people to enjoy. But anyway, man, it's great to have you on the show. It's long overdue. To be honest, I think if we had you know, record several of our conversations, we'd probably have like five episodes. Cause I find like anytime we get on the phone, we're like a bunch of schoolgirls BSing about, but like really good quality stuff. I know, man, this is probably not going to be that good compared to like those conversations. I know it's, those are the ones that you just get going and you know, there's not a microphone and a recorded button being pushed, but either way, man, I think there's a lot of good content that we can generate out of this and hopefully make it valuable for the listeners. And the goal would be to have some key takeaways because I think marketing and brand building is certainly a hot topic right now amongst all the other crap that's going on. But anyway, so like we first met, it's been, a, I don't know if it's been a couple of years, maybe it has, but because you jumped on the OGGN wagon. And for me, I remember when Cindy Lee was still there, we talked and she's like, because she's Canadian. So of course she's always like, oh, my fellow Canadian, like blah, blah. And then she was so pumped to have another Canadian named Tim who was going to help 
with whatever it was at the time. I don't remember exactly, but we got to stick together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. She certainly loves supporting Canadians and stuff. So anyways, that's when we kind of met and we, we did a little bit of conversing back and forth via email maybe or, or messaging, but then we finally met and we hit it off and so yeah, it's been good. How long have you and Macy been here in Houston? Man, it's only been a little bit over a year. Yeah, we got really January. Yeah, and then I met. So a little bit of a backstory. Grew up in Montreal, Canada, and then from there started a couple of businesses. Took those businesses out west to Alberta, where my wife Mace got a job with Slumberger. Yeah. So I actually brought my business partner out there, and we set up shop. Got an office in Edmonton, and then started to build different business units. And then from there, just up until two years ago, Mace was actually working in West Texas. And I was still, I was still in Edmonton. And at some point, we were like, well, we got to you know, make a move. So whether we go back to Edmonton or we go somewhere else, and Houston was available. Yeah. So you know, we, we're always down to try something new. And luckily, a lot of my work is remote, even though that was tough. It was tough because at the time, I was also building Tick, which is my watch company. Yeah, very community based. Like we had events where we'd have hundreds of people pop out to these events that Tick would put on. We'd go to Banff, we'd go to Jasper. It was harder to move from Alberta to Houston than it was from Montreal to Alberta. Yeah. Why is that? Just because we, I brought my business partner from Montreal to Alberta. His wife came, like they uprooted their life, not for me, but for the business. Yeah. And we built, you know, a company. We had, you know, employees. And from that, you know, I kind of left that and came down here. So it's opportunity costs, right? You have to weigh these things out. And no one has a crystal ball. No one knows how these things are going to turn out. But it all worked out for the best. So I still, I still have my hand in that business a little bit, 1%, let's say. And yeah, so then came here in January, the end of January. Met Mark right away. Met Jake and Colin right away. Networked a bunch. And I just, I just fell in love with the community. So I've been involved in oil and gas for a little bit longer than that because my businesses were involved in, in directly in oil and gas um, tech. But then I just really got my, you know, my hands dirty. Yeah. Again, yeah, it was good, man. I, just, I, I fell in love with the industry so quick. Very cool. So what makes it so different than your traditional or what you were typically used to? Like when you say you love it, like what about it? Because I've only ever been in oil and gas except for, you know, with the family business that I grew up in. But touch on that. Like what, what makes it so unique or different that you love so much? Man, the community is so freaking tight. Like it's unbelievable how big and small this space is. And right. It's so beautiful and like, you know, you go to like, you go to West Texas, you go to Midland and like my first impression, it actually wasn't like, oh, this is like, this place is a dump. Like it was like, all these people are like sacrificing in some way, shape or like these, these are hustlers, man. Like a lot of these individuals don't live in Midland, right? They, they live, you know, all around the world or all around the country and they come in and they work and they go back home. And just thinking about that difficulty, I mean, Mace and myself, my wife and I had to go through that as well. So like it's hard work, it's hustle. Obviously, there's money involved too, so that makes things better as well. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of hustle, and that's something that I just really respect about the industry and how family-oriented it feels. Yeah, and so I want to back up, actually. You did a post, and this relates to when you say family. You know, you did a fantastic post the other day around this topic. You know, it's you, a picture in your, in your pool out in Montreal, and, and you, you made a point of saying, like, everyone in Montreal has these pools. And So tell us a little bit about, like, growing up and as a kid, and sort of touch on, you know, that post that you made. Cause I think that was pretty, that was neat. And I think it generated a lot of good conversation. It did, man. So what's funny about that post is that I made this post about, you know, how my parents brought home and I think actually it was, it was used. I don't think it was brand new. They brought home this pool that you had to fill up with your hose 
And yeah. all of our neighbors had pools. And I actually got some comments on the side saying, you know, does Montreal really have that many pools? And for some reason, we do. I don't know why that is, but literally when you're landing to Montreal, there's pools everywhere. And are they mostly underground or above ground or mixed? Both. But my neighbors, there was underground beside me and in front of me. And then the two, like the one in back of us and on side of us was, was uh, above ground. But the point of that post was like, you know, although I knew that was there, I never felt like we had less ever, man. Like my parents were just so good. There was so much humility. I was so grateful all the time. Like I was one of these kids, man, that like I had no shame. I was never one of these kids that were like, my parents would drop me off like a block before like, the, you know, school or like, yeah. a so my dad was a teacher at my school. Oh, okay. And I wasn't a good student, man. I got into fights. I skipped classes. Like I was, <laughs> I was not, I was like a funny, not good student. You know what I mean? Like I was <laughs> bad grades. I would, you know, fail everything. Academics weren't for me. Typical blueprint for an entrepreneur. Yeah, man. It just didn't fit <laughs> the mold. But I said that, like I'd see my dad around the corner. I'd give him a hug. Like, I was just one of these guys that I just, I just love my parents. I love my parents so much. And I, I was never ashamed of them ever. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's good. I mean, you guys don't have kids, but I would assume that you'll take a lot of those traits and, and sort of that family dynamic into, you know, eventually when you and Macy end up having kids, but to speak highly of your parents, I think is, is super admirable. And so that's why I wanted to touch on that. And you know, it's funny. Are your parents still around? Yeah, they're still yeah. around. Well, I mean, they're in, they're in Montreal. They're alive. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wish I could talk to them more. Like my mom texts me like at least once a day and I don't always respond just because it's been just been crazy. Yes. And I feel a little guilty about that, but I'm trying to schedule like once a week where we can like chat on Sundays, whether it's a Zoom call or just, you know, FaceTime. Yeah. But yeah, no, a lot of respect for them. And like, kind of like what I was talking about in some of the comments is I don't know what they did to bring us up the way we, like my sister and I are pretty similar and just, I don't know what they did because they were very tasteful in there. They were very much like, like the best way to control something is to give it like ultimate freedom. And mm. like, they were really good at that, man. Wow. That's such a cool, I've never heard that the best way to control something is to give it complete freedom. That's crazy. And you can watch it and just like, like see what it does, you know? And like, they were really, they were really good at that. And I did huh. some stupid things. I was not, man, my teenage years were, yeah, some pretty bad things, but my parents were always really good at guiding me where I didn't want to rebel against them. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. So like my dad, like one of the years that I had to go to summer school, because there was many years. <laughs> One of the years, literally, like he found out that I had to go to summer school again, which kind of ruins his summer too, because he has to drive me. Yeah. Because <laughs> that summer I had just got my license, but two months later I got it revoked because I got by the cops, speeding, and I'm really not making a good case for myself. But literally his first thing was, okay, we need a boys weekend where we're going to do like indoor golf. We're going to do, it was, yeah, I don't know why indoor golf, but it wasn't even one day, but indoor golf. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Movies, restaurants, and we just bonded so much. And wow. So that was his response. It wasn't like you're grounded. It was, okay, I guess I got to keep close to that. I got to understand what's going on. Man, because most parents would want to just cast your eyes and, and like discipline and, okay, well, if you're going to do this, then here's the consequence. Like, you know, drop the hammer. But it's interesting that he decided to like, you know, treat it with, with love and empathy versus hate and like negativity and trying to make you suffer because of the decisions you've made. 
And I think that probably resonates and in, in you having that story, I'm sure subconsciously, that's something that kind of helps set the framework for how you do things. So man, those are some really interesting stories. And, you know, I appreciate that. I would love to talk more about that kind of stuff. But I want to respect your time and, and talk about some other things that you're obviously really good at. So you've been an entrepreneur for, you know, quite a long time. Like almost all my adult life, I've had my own businesses. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're really focusing on the marketing side or you probably always have because you've had your own company. So you've always had to market the company and tell the story. So how would you describe the term marketing? Because I think it's such a loose term and I think a lot of it gets confused with sales and then, you know, one ties into the other, but how would you personally describe marketing? It's so grandiose, man. <laughs> I see it as like end to end from customer to employee touch points with the company end to end. So whether that's a steering wheel on your Toyota or whether that's the way the lights, you know, dim at night or wh whether that's a commercial or whether that's some sort of like employee program for incentives, like that all to me encompasses marketing. And so there's many divisions of that. What I'm super interested in, and I don't really talk about this much, but I'm super interested in like internal marketing and like how you market to your employees because oftentimes I find that they're left out. Everyone talks about customers and like how to get more customers, how to build funnels for your customers, but we don't talk about retention for employees or at least a lot of employers don't, you know? Yeah, that's a very good point. And, you know, and I can relate to that. And I think for, you know, the company that I work for, we certainly have gotten a lot better, but Oftentimes, it's always about the customers, but unless you're really marketing to your own employees and making sure that they understand the initiatives and the goals and how that company is what they are and given the competitive edge, I think it's, it's extremely important for sure. Yeah, it is. And that, that comes down to culture, right? Like internal marketing, I can replace aka culture and like what is culture? We can all define it differently. I think a couple of things that are super important for culture is like accountability, speed. I think speed is like one of the most important things, like getting things done quickly, effectively. Not so quickly that you're jeopardizing quality, but quick enough that everyone on board feels like there's momentum going. You know, yes. momentum, accountability, and then also communication. So things like Slack, I've seen things like Slack with my customers transform their culture and how they interact. And it's just, it's a really cool way to see engagement it's not an email. It's not a text. It's something in between. And I put my finger on it, but there's something special and unique about that type of communication that can create cultures online. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, that that's a great answer. So now that you're you've been in oil and gas for a year, which is not a long time, but you've seen and I mean any person that I talk to somehow knows you. So you've obviously built a strong reputation amongst the industry. But how would you describe? the change in oil and gas marketing from what you've been exposed to since you started that, you know, whether it was like a year or since you started in oil and gas, getting into the marketing side of it, how, how has that evolved in such a short period of time? Because it feels like it's evolved quite a bit. It has evolved quite a bit. Well, to back up a little bit to your first point, it's interesting because I don't post that much about myself. I'm not one to take selfies. If you follow my Instagram with my, you know, few followers, I'm constantly like making fun of myself. That's literally it. <laughs> so how would I ever get known? So I'm very like, if you can define me in some way, shape or form, the way I do, it would be like, I'm kind of like a person Shopify model where like, you know, 90% of the traffic you do online when it comes to e-commerce is Shopify, but you don't even know it. Shopify, like, they're so hidden. They're such a hidden brand. So that's, that's kind of my, always been my approach. I don't love talking about myself. 
but through building brands or companies, it kind of creates it creates a, a pretty large funnel, if you can imagine, when you're posting, creating content, advertising. So that just to touch on that, I think that's pretty interesting because a lot of people are like, man, I don't see you anywhere, but how come someone knows you or this person knows you? And it's just yeah. like super under the radar, and I love that, man. I thrive on that. That's yeah. so cool. And it gives you so much leverage, too, I feel like. Just by being in the background, but being such an integral part of connecting A to C, because without B, then both are lost. And so that's an interesting approach. And I certainly appreciate the humbleness, man. I mean, I think, you know, there's certainly maybe it's a Canadian thing, but, you know, similarly, it's neat to see and you've done well. And it's cool to see that you're not out there, you know, flaunting and, and you know, look at me like because you've had a lot of really successful companies and, you know, with the watch stuff. I know you've mentioned a few other ones, but I really like that approach. And I think that's where people feel that you are genuine and you come across with good intent and very selfless, I think is, is, is a good way to put it. And then on top of that, I think ultimately it just comes down to trust. Like people trust you, you're a trustworthy guy. And so I think those are some very unique characteristics about yourself that have helped you become so successful in such a short period of time. But talk a little bit about the, the oil and gas. So how would you describe oil and gas marketing when you came in or historically what you've seen and then to what it is now, because I think people are really starting to figure things out, but I think there's still a long ways to go. But describe that if you would. So when I first got into this industry, like really deep about a year ago, once again, I was in this industry like indirectly before, but really deep, you could literally come up with the most generic, like simple looking ad in, in my taste and throw it out there and people would be like, oh my goodness, this is the crazy, this is beautiful. How did you do this? You're, you know, Picasso. <laughs> but it has changed. It, it's evolved, which is good. So the bar is slowly being raised, which I think is good. You're seeing companies come out with better content. They're being a little bit clever with how they do that. It's still not where I would like it to be, but that's fine because that creates opportunity for the ones that can, you know, be in that space where they are creating valuable content where others aren't, which is why LinkedIn is so interesting right now. And I think LinkedIn being so organic right now and the oil and gas industry kind of figuring out what is marketing and posting is a very interesting mix because right now on LinkedIn, there is an oversupply than there is demand. There are more people on LinkedIn than actually posting, right? Mm -hmm. So that makes posts like commenting and likes go up organically. And, and we saw this with Facebook, we saw it with LinkedIn. And then slowly, you'll see, you'll see it taper off in time. You'll see it slowly. But right now, it's so organic where you and I can literally put, we can start a company today, post something, and we're going to get likes, which is so yeah. beautiful. Right. That in tandem with where the industry is, it's so cool that like some of the companies that I work with, you literally, they're excited about just not even actually advertising and targeting, but they just post something to LinkedIn and they're like, oh, cool, people, people see it. Yeah. So I think that's where it's, it's gotten interesting. And then from that, from this, Right now we're in this, if this comes out in a couple of weeks, right now we're in the midst of this lockdown. And I think this expedited that, the, the whole process. I think this expedited with people putting out content, everyone sitting around home, mm -hmm. are we getting in trouble, trolling. So <laughs> it's a really good time, really good opportunity to create content. And it's worth to note that the first pieces of content you throw out there are probably not going to be that great, but you get better and you build on it, man. Because so. mm -hmm. there's a lot of people, and I've had a lot of people reach out, and I'm sure you have too, reach out and say, hey, I want to start posting, but I'm hesitant. You know, I don't know what to post about, but I've, here's kind of my message that I want to relay. What would your recommendation be or, or, you know, words of insight for people who think or like to get started that are kind of hesitant on it because they don't think all of a sudden they're going to get like a thousand views or hits right off the get go. Like, how can you describe that? So I can tell you this one story. I won't mention her name. So there was this one individual that I was helping her get started with posting and creating like personal content and hopefully to build her own brand. 
And one thing I realized was the fear that she had to post something personal was real, man. Like she was shaking. Like I had to literally click the post button for her first post. No way. And it did over like 1200 likes, hundreds of comments. It was, it was nuts, man. But the, that fear is real. And so what I would say is just get started with something and then break down those walls and then start posting more and more. And don't think about too much about the value of the content because people will find value or not in ways that you did or didn't. You know what I mean? Like I put something that I find silly and like, Actually, a good example is my Instagram. I have a couple, a couple hundred followers. I post a joke that's, I think, clearly a joke, and then I'll get like ten people saying, "Hey, man, that was like, that was really uncalled for." I'm like, guys, like this is. First of all, I have like three hundred followers, and like, yeah, I'm clearly joking. You know, like, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not. It's not even being offensive. I'm making fun of myself. So it's an interpretation, but I would just say, post, get started, and the metrics will guide you to what you need to be posting more of. You know what I mean? Like, throw your art out there and see what people like and see what people don't like. And then through that, you could, you know, formulate your ideas. Yes. It's a balance of that. And then also being true to yourself. And what do you stand for? What are your values as a person or as a company? Right. No, that's great. So can you describe the importance of companies, you know, on doubling down online and doing their social media marketing right now, you know, we're sitting, it's, you know, the end of April, beginning of May. How important is, this for companies in the oil field? Man. Well, first of all, I don't understand the hesitation to why you wouldn't want to be posting or creating content. You know what I mean? Like, what's the alternative? Okay, sit home, or go for a bike. Like, you, you can do that too, but post something and figure things out. And I think what's important about that, to go back to my earlier point, is people are going to find value in it that you probably didn't even know was valuable. And you, you'll get better. And like, it's not, it might not be video for you. It might not be audio for you. It might be, you might be just really good at writing. You might be a really, really good copywriter. You'll figure that out as you post, you know, like for example, I don't feel like I'm great on camera. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel strong being on camera. Okay. Yep. And I think that's what, what's important. Whether I'm good or not, I don't feel strong in doing it, but I'm getting better. I noticed my, my tendencies, I'm getting better at copy and creating, creating, you know, copy content. I'm pretty good at graphic design, you know? And so you can gravitate towards something and that's, that's your niche. You know, yeah. so it's finding that out. You don't need to be everything for everyone. Just find out what you like and go hard on that. And for companies, like if we want to talk about corporate and personal branding, I see them as very separate. They can work together, but they're very different, right? Like you creating your personal brand. I think personal brands don't think twice or three times about what they're posting or they shouldn't be right. You kind of post it's your lifestyle. Hopefully it's, it's actually a reflection of your actual life. Whereas a corporate brand, you do got to think about things, right? If you're Nike, you can't just post anything. Like you got to be, how is this going to affect people? How does this represent our brand and our values? So you got to be a little bit more thoughtful. But there are arenas where the two can coexist and leverage each other. I got you. So like, what does it mean to build a brand? Because I think a lot of people like get confused on what is a brand. Yeah. So the way I break it down is commodities. You think about commodities all around you and what separates one commodity from another. And often people say price. And that is the case if you haven't built a brand. You haven't built up trust. You haven't built up your following. You haven't been able to give value in other ways that are outside of you know, current models. And so building brand to me means like this, our relationship. So you know which spectrum I operate in. You trust me, right? But if at the end of this call, I give you the finger and say, screw you, Justin, I never want to talk to you again. You'd be like, hmm, that's weird. That falls outside of the spectrum. So yeah. Tim's brand is kind of diluted now. I don't know how to trust him. I don't know how to actually analyze him yeah. from a, you know, a behavioral standpoint. 
So that's what I think building a brand means to me is being consistent in your messaging, in your values. Your goals are going to change and they should change, right? They should change on a regular basis, whether they're micro or macro goals. But your values are the pillars of the company. So that's the way I see it. And I bring it down to like the personal level because I think it helps people realize that like we are personal brands right now. You know, you're right. acting like our personality is quote unquote the brand. So. Right. No, that's a good good point and a lot of good takeaways from there. And one thing that I've realized through building, you know, personal brand and I air quotes because again, I think people get that misinterpreted, but I sometimes or I often replace the word brand for reputation. Like to me, building your brand is essentially just building your reputation. And in your reputation in our industry is huge because it's such a small community. If you burn one bridge, you're essentially burning the whole oil field bridge. And so reputation's huge, right? If you slip up or you do something online or like 99% of people are going to be exposed to that via whether it is online or someone you talk to, because we all talk and gossip amongst each other, sometimes for good reasons and sometimes for bad reasons, but ultimately we're humans. And so it's going to happen. But that's one thing I'll, I'll add to that. And it's certainly if you create a good reputation, AKA brand, I believe opportunities come from that because you know, especially for companies, you know, if someone's looking for a solution, they want this, that solution to have a good reputation. They want that solution to have, you know, there, there needs to be trust there. And a lot of times it costs companies money to do that. Whereas that's the beautiful thing about social media and, and especially LinkedIn is you can do that for pennies on the dollar, essentially free. If you have internet, which 99% of Americans I think do now, you can start building your reputation through creating content. And that is extreme. I, I know people that have gotten crazy opportunities and, and I've been fortunate enough for myself just by posting and, and doing things, building a reputation amongst the community, opportunities have, have come down the pipeline. And, and it's amazing to see that. And especially right now with people being laid off, the most important thing you can do is to continue to build your reputation because when this thing turns around, it sounds silly, but they're going to go to LinkedIn to look for the most qualified and, and people outside of their network because it's all about referrals. However, again, going to LinkedIn and building that is so important right now to me and amongst the people that I speak with, including yourself. So just kind of, you know, remember that for, for the listeners. I, I really just wanted to add to that. That's a really good point. It's a really good point because I call back to the intro of this conversation, like what's different about this industry when we talk about, you know, marketing, branding, also how close knit this is. Like I've seen people like slip up once and they're like, not that they're like screwed for life, but like, they're kind of like kind of shadow banned for a little bit. And it's like it's pretty heavy. You know, you see, you see that you feel it. you're like, Oh man, this is so think about that too. Especially if you're in this industry, think, think about what you're posting. You know, you don't have to think about it too much, but just, you know, read through it, make sure that it's something that, you know, it's not going to tarnish your name. Mm -hmm. Unless that's your thing. Your thing might be, I want to be that. Like, I want to go and push the envelope and, and you know, try to piss people off. So it's all about what, what do you want to get to? But I will say that I have seen people and companies do, quote unquote, the wrong thing. And it like, it really sacrifices business in a way where other industries, it wouldn't. Like, there are so many other fish in the sea and other industries, other customers that like you could screw up here and then be very good over here and you're fine within a week or two. Whereas within this, it's like, it might be like three or six months until you can build that back up again, which is not normal with other industries. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's certainly good to know. What would you say the biggest mistake 
is right now that companies make when trying to create content around their business that are getting started or the biggest hurdle? Or, yeah. You know? So we did this too. At one of my first companies, we were like notorious for this. So we would spend so much time with our staff on like making something perfect. And then what happens is you get to a point where you start overcomplicating the message. And then you're at a trade show and you're trying to explain what you do and you come up with all these like cool terms or you think it's cool and it's like your 60 second pitch is now 90 seconds when it should be 10 seconds. You know what I mean? So I think A, really simplify. And simplify means getting your thinking thin. What is it that you want to get across? Because that's going to move mountains. Don't get complex, be simple. Don't overanalyze what you're doing, but think enough about it where you can get to what you do in a sentence. And that's my thing too. Like if you can't explain to me what you do in a sentence or your company does in a sentence, you probably got to work on your messaging. You know what I mean? So for example, I work with a crypto company. The listing goes live May 7th. Okay. Up until this point, then we're working with them for a couple of months. The messaging, it's a very sophisticated model. But at the end of the day, I piece together, it's like the easiest way to invest in gold mines. That's the tagline. So the approach, because it's crypto, but it is backed by gold, backed by gold mines. We can't legally say, we can't legally say backed by gold, so we say gold mines. But that, that's the messaging. So if you're at a trade show, what do you guys do? This is the easiest way to invest in gold mines from your phone. It's two clicks, you can invest in gold mines. How? Through crypto. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Where before the messaging was like, it was like three pages long. And even the executives, it was like, it was hard to convey. It was a very complicated message. And it's worth to note that everything around us is very sophisticated. Like our computers, our phones, they're very sophisticated. But the ones who are able to break through that noise are able to think very simplistically, very clean. I usually use that word clean, that you're thinking very clean and understand what your messaging is. Yes. Once you do that, you can move mountains. Once you do that, you can move mountains internally and get people to on board with, with what you're doing. And then it makes your, your advertising, your brand building much more clear because people know exactly what you're doing. You know what mm. I mean? Wow. That's crazy, man. I've never thought of it like that. And, and you're right. Like even just personally, like I gravitate towards something that if you can describe it very simply and like, I'm more likely to connect and, and put forth. But if you rattle my brain with a bunch of like different things, it's kind of like going to, <laughs> you know, I'm being a health nut, you go into a supplement store and there's like a trillion different supplement brands and they're all trying to tell you like, this one does this, this, that, and the other. Well, then you go into ones that have like literally like maybe three or four different items and it's very clear and concise on what does what. Like I'm more likely to go to that, even though the options at the other place may be a ton more, but like going to something that's, you go there, there's maybe one or two options and there's simplicity and clarity on what it does for you and your body. And then you're more likely to pick that. And I think people in general, regardless of what it is, doesn't have to be supplements, but anything that as a consumer it's easy to <laughs> go forward with something that has that very narrow, clear, concise message instead of just being confused. There's a saying that I love, and it comes from a book called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. And I'm not a Buddhist, but I just, I love this book. Yeah. I read it once a year just as a reminder. Cool. To, to get your thinking clean. And the quote goes something like, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And nice. That's so powerful, man. I believe that with all my heart. If you're, if you're able to communicate properly, personally, but then as a brand in terms of corporate, you can just, yeah, it's more difficult than it is just to talk about, right? It is difficult to get your, your thinking clean. Going back to this crypto company, you know, these are a bunch of smart guys, but to get to that level of like, okay, well, what is it we do? Like, what do people want to hear? How can we get this? It took a long time. It took several months, even for me. It took, even for me to think through it, like, 
how can we do it in one sentence, guys? And it took, it took a long time. So it's, yeah. I always mention it's kind of like when someone says, Hey, where's the bathroom? And then they like want to explain how to build a toilet. It's like, no, I just need to know where the bathroom is. Like, and I think that happens all too often in how we try and portray our message at companies. Yeah. But so yeah, anyway, it, man, that right there, I think is certainly like we could drop the mic there and be done. But I do have a few more questions. And I want to respect your time. I know you've got some going on here shortly, but I want to sort of shift gears, get back more onto the personal side of Tim. But something a question I like to ask people often is, is when's the last time you've tried something for the first time? Have you like done anything crazy lately that you've never done before? Okay, yeah. Not like skydiving or anything like that. But in terms of business, it's, it's almost on a regular basis. It's almost, I would say, it might even be too much. I would say maybe every, every two weeks, I'm doing something that two weeks before that, if I told myself I was going to be doing it, I'd be like, really? Like, how did you get there? Yeah. I'm somebody that needs to be in uncomfortable situations. And there, there's pros and cons to that because I am not somebody who's there for me. I am not somebody who can just work at a company. I'm like, okay, this is just me. I need to build. Like that's mm. my, you know what I mean? You're a creator. Yeah, definitely, definitely a creator, creative type. I definitely like leading a talented team, but it needs to be on the ascendancy. I am just not somebody you put into place that, okay, can you just make, and sometimes you need those periods. Sometimes you, you need those periods of, okay, we, we just need to maintain this business unit as such, and then we're going to grow in two, three months from now. That's just not me, man. Like, and it needs to be almost exponential. Like it needs to be like, I'm pretty hard. Like honestly, like, you know, we, we know each other like this. But if we were to work together, I'm probably not the most fun to, like, I can be pretty harsh, like harsh in terms of like what needs to get done and when it needs to get done and how it needs to look. And what happens though, man, is like, if you instill that in other people that you work with, then it's like they have that ability too. And then they reflect that back on you. And then they're like, hey, Tim, like this can be better. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's like a feedback loop. It turns into like self-policing. You kind of self-police with who you let into the group. So that's a little bit about me. I'm definitely a, you know, I get up most days at 4, 4.30 and hit the bed at 11 and it's just like all day. But it's- Full grind. Yeah, but it needs to be things that I'm, I was not doing two, three weeks ago. Like there's a process or a process that I can pass off to somebody else after I've learned it enough that I can understand it. I don't want to be an expert in everything, but I want to understand it enough that I, I can communicate properly with the people that are going to deal with it. Yeah. Once I understand something, then I would pass that off to somebody else. And that's, that's how you build. Right. You right. Can't, you can't build a company on your own. So. Well, I think that describes what a good leader is, is having an understanding of all the parts well enough to understand if people are effectively doing their job, but not necessarily knowing, you know, to a granular level on how to do that job. But I, again, I think that's super important. You mentioned getting up at four, which again, I think most people probably think it's crazy, but it's how you're wired. And, and I think that's badass. Do you have any daily routines or habits that keep you focused through the grind? Like whether that's when you get up, you do X, Y, Z, or, you know, right before bed, you have a certain bedtime routine. Do you have anything that kind of keeps you centralized and kind of keeps your mind at like focused? You know what I mean? Focused. So I can stay pretty focused throughout the day. Something that, that I do to ease my mind, and this sounds funny. And for anyone that knows me that's listening. So I'm a big Christmas guy. I love Christmas, man. Yeah. And even in the middle of, even in the middle of summer, I'll put on almost every day for like 10, 15 minutes. I'll put on a clip of a movie and I'm not even listening. Like I'm not actually like listening to it, but just having it in the background while I like eat supper. Yeah. For, like literally 10, 15 minutes. Like that's my thing. Like it, it relaxes me. It feels good. No way. Yeah. Whether that's like a cartoon Christmas movie or like Christmas vacation, literally I won't even, I'm not sitting down watching the movie. It's like in the background and that's been my thing. A lot of people think it's weird. But it's specifically a Christmas movie. Christmas. There's something about Christmas, man. No way. I, and then I'm not just saying this cause we're talking, but like I love, 
Christmas. And like the best part of the year for me is Christmas, but it's right now being in Houston and Texas, waking up Christmas day without snow on the ground. And then like having that Christmas spirit is very emotionally over, like it takes a lot for it to, you know, for me to overcome that. Now I have, and you know, seeing my kids and they love it. And, and I mean, you know, having the decoration and stuff like that. But man, that is so cool. I'm glad you told me that because I got to get thinking to get you something as a gift or like a Christmas gift or something that you can use during those times where you're, where you're trying to zone out on some some Christmas movies, man. That's so awesome. <laughs> and you know what? This goes kind of full circle with what we're talking about with brand building, like Christmas and brand building. How does that work? So <laughs> if you can find a way to figure out the magic of like Christmas morning, when that, that excitement of like actually not knowing what you're going to get yeah, and opening that, that, that excitement, if you're able to replicate that with your business, with your employees, with your customers, if you can find the magic in that, the magic sauce, man, that, that is so, that's everything, man. Find magic in like, you know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's I love it so much. It reminds me of like, not to say, I mean, my life is better now than it ever was, but it just takes me back to like that, you know, Christmas morning in Canada, it's snowing, the lights, the Christmas tree. You know, oh yeah. Yeah. Your family's all there. Mom's making pancakes and it's just everything at once. And all of this anticipation for a month or in my case, a month and a half, two months up until this one moment. And yeah, that's something that Apple's really good at. And I think they're able, they've done that. They're like mm. the of like the new phone. Maybe it's been overdone for them. I don't know, but they've been able to do that very well. So, well, I will add to that, and it's something. So, I took a sales and leadership course, and something that really several things stuck out. But one thing that stuck out was a quote, and you know, I turned it into a quote, and they basically said, "People buy emotionally and then justify it logically." So, if you can connect to people's emotions it's, you know, it's just a slam dunk. And I think it kind of goes back to the whole Christmas thing is you've connected to it emotionally and therefore it brings you such a like enlightened amount of, you know, emotion and you know, whether it's like a dopamine thing or it's a calming effect, but it ultimately is a feel good feeling. And then now it's part of your daily routine, man. That's so cool. Well, last question I have before I've got some housekeeping stuff is, is there a message you'd like to relay assuming everyone in energy is listening to right now. And that message can be whether it is, it's part of the marketing thing, some optimism, you know, is there one thing that you'd like for everyone to hear? Oh man, there's a couple things, but to narrow it down, you know, stay positive. Like at least going through this virus right now and as an industry, like people are going to remember the ones who were that, that positive voice and not cliche positive, but sincere, you know, positivity and like, yeah. Share, you know, some stories of humanity that inspire you or inspire other people in terms of brand. Like if you think that your business is a commodity and it's all about price, then you're absolutely right. And it always will be, but you can change that because the, you know, the largest brands in the world are built around commodities. Right. Hmm. So that's something to note too. If you want to have those conversations about price and it'll always be about price, you're right. It will be. So that's what I'll say. Stay positive, you know, post, Figure things out. And also a big part of this, Justin, is to figure out when to pivot to. Like you're posting, you're building, and it comes time where you might have to make minor changes. So not to get married to your ideas, but get married to that process, you know? Mm. No, those are great last words, man. Well, look, for all the listeners out there, I'd like to take a moment to tell everyone about our upcoming OGGN events. Hey everybody, Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. 
but we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Awesome. Thank you. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. So once this quarantine is lifted, we're definitely going to get fired back up. So hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. And if you're looking to get in shape for summer, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. The date for reopening right now is still to be determined, but hopefully when this airs, we're close or at least we have a date. And again, Tim, thanks for joining me today, man. It's been a pleasure. There were so many little questions I had throughout the conversation, but we'll have to certainly do another a round two, maybe once this is all lifted and oil's not at negative $30, we can kind of touch again and and see where, you know, where the market is and, and how marketing's continuously evolved. And, you know, you can share some more stories, but I'd love for you to plug. You've got a podcast coming out, right? Would you mind plugging that? Yeah. So in two weeks, we got Building the Brand podcast coming out. Hell yeah. Yeah. So it'll be in and out of oil and gas, just, you know, discussing with entrepreneurs how they built their brand. We'll be talking about success stories, but then also stories that are not so successful. So super excited about that. And yeah, that'll be buildingthebrandpodcast.com. In Perfect. Russia. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to help support that and, you know, share it with folks on LinkedIn and the rest of the platforms. I also want to plug the lovely wife's podcast that she does with Jamie. Why don't you describe that a little bit? Yeah. So my wife, Maciel, and her co-host, Jamie Elrod, they have a podcast together called Flipping the Barrel. It's a woman's perspective in oil and gas. It's kind of evolved. I don't know if I can say that, but it's like they're interviewing like they interview men too. It's not like a feminist podcast. So yeah, yeah so it's, it's really cool to hear. They're, they're a good partnership. Yeah, no, they're crushing it. And shout out to those ladies. They're badass. All right, well, I'll make sure and put all your links in the show notes, your LinkedIn profile, and then anything else that you want me to plug. But man, it's certainly been a pleasure. I know you got to run. So best of luck to you and Macy and looking forward to getting in touch, you know, and actually getting to sit down together face to face instead of Zoom. So yeah, for all the listeners out there, please like it, share it, subscribe, leave me a five-star review. And always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.